Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. What's up, guys? John Anik, Kenny Florian. Oh my God! You want a podcast? Great. So you have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, gonna be back in the Monday slot. Gonna be back in the Monday slot. Monday, November eighteenth, two thousand nineteen. It's episode two. 225 of the Anakin Florian podcast. I was supposed to be in Las Vegas today, so primetime episode on the East Coast. <laughs> Something came up, so uh, that business trip was canceled. But it's good to see a kid. It's good to see you sitting down and not on top of, uh, of a jiu-jitsu podium for a change. <laughs> <You look good. laughs> nice, man. You've been a busy man as of late, dude. It's been busy. You know, we yeah. lost this John Anik's MMA charity challenge that may be time permitting. We'll get into later in the show here today, but that's very exciting. You know, I've been looking for a, a charitable endeavor for a while, and hopefully this will be the one. Uh, and thanks, everybody, of course, who played the pilot and helped us test the game. But in the nature of time, I want to talk a little bit about Sao Paulo. Uh, look ahead to UFC 245 a little bit. Might get your thoughts on bare knuckle boxing, kid, because uh, I'm curious what you think about it. There's a lot of men I respect who are doing it, uh, but sometimes it's it's hard to watch for me. Um, and we'll uh, we'll close the show with some stuff on Walt Harris's daughter Renaya, who unfortunately is still out there and, and is missing. And and I think the more we can. Uh, inject her name into the conversation and talk about her. I think that's only going to potentially help things. Um, Ian Parker coming up here shortly, but I want to talk about Charles Oliveira and not Jan Bojovic and Jacare Souza just to lead the show because I don't want to bury the lead, and I think Charles Oliveira is the lead, Kenny. He made his UFC debut in 2010 when he was 20 years old. We have watched his entire UFC body of work at this point, uh, and it's a fringe Hall of Fame body of work now that there are six consecutive wins here, right? 16 UFC wins, 15 finishes put him second all-time. 
uh, one of the most prolific finishers, submission artists, and just winners now in, in UFC history, and he's still just 30 years old. Well, it's great to see because um, he was one of those guys that would look phenomenal one fight, then next yeah. fight, not so much. There was some inconsistency. Uh, he really has um, strengthened a lot of the holes in his game, uh, doesn't have the same weaknesses. He is coming back a better fighter, it seems, every single time. Um, he has improved a great deal. Um, and, you know, he's always a guy that you have to watch out as far as his submission game goes. Um, and he had some pretty striking on the outside when he needed to. Now he's starting to get uh, a pretty dangerous game when he gets on the inside as well. So, uh, it's great to see him develop. It's great to see him uh, evolve as a martial artist. He's getting more confident, um, and you know he's putting on some some really great performances right now at 155 pounds. Since the loss to Paul Felder in 2017, it's been six straight wins to give him, as I mentioned, 16 overall in the UFC. And it's funny because every time we talk to him, Ken Flo, he talks about featherweight and moving back down there yeah. because at times he was on a championship trajectory down there when he got that main event against Max Holloway and got injured very early in that fight. But now he He's on a championship path at 155 pounds, and given the frame and how he's grown into it, uh, certainly looks like a lightweight to me. Uh, I think so, too. And listen, I'm sure he has refined that weight-cutting process a, a great deal and now feels that confidently he can make 145 pounds. But, but is he going to have all that energy and strength? That's the thing. It's one thing to make the weight. I'm sure he could weight uh, probably safer than he did in the past, but how he's going to compete, I think, would still be very different than what he's showing us at 155 pounds. Yeah. And you know, I'm not sure he's the kind of guy that can win a belt at 155 pounds or maybe crack the top five. That's going to be difficult for him. Um, but I do think it's the right weight class for him. No I, doubt. I think he's better off keeping this energy, continuing to evolve as a martial artist, having you know, uh, a healthy weight behind you where you can do these tough training camps, I think is essential. And I think he gets, he should stay right where he is. And the fight before the fight on Thursday and Friday is just nothing like that cut down to 146 pounds, which of course he's been unable to make at times as well. Yeah. Uh, all right. Ian Parker in 60 seconds. First though, attention. If you're a past present or future, my bookie player, this is big. So during Thanksgiving week, which is next week, my bookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game that Thursday. You choose a team against the spread for up to 250 bucks. If you win, great. Extra holiday cash. If you lose, uh, congrats to you as well because my bookie is going to give you all your money back. It's really a no-brainer when they do promotions like this because literally you cannot lose. No risk. All gravy. doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. My bookie welcomes everybody to come play, so you might as well sign up today. Also, too, if you're somebody out there who kind of wants to get into the game a little bit and bet on sports and you, you have a lot of questions, I mean, we'll answer them for you on social media, but my bookie has a customer service team that can certainly walk you through the process. Here's all you need to do to sign up for this incredible offer during Thanksgiving week, and you can sign up this week as well. You log on to mybookie.ag, make your first deposit with the promo code ANICFLORIAN. MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. That'll jumpstart your bank bankroll, and that's also on top of the risk-free bet as well. So a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet up to $250 for Thanksgiving only. Uh, you don't want to let this opportunity pass you by, so hop on the gravy train, get in on the action with MyBookie, mybookie.ag, promo code ANICFLORIAN. One word, ANICFLORIAN. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, so updating the main event challenge standings real quick as we bring on Ian Parker, 142 to 143. Actually, 142 to 139, excuse me, is the Team Florian lead. Ken Flo, you did win the week 2 to 1. You hit on Alexander Volkov in Moscow. 
Uh, you, you both picked up a point with Jan Bojovic in the Sao Paulo main event. We don't have picks today, but we got Ian Parker, and he loves this slot top of the show. He got the video treatment over the weekend in the half episode. Ken Flo, Ian Parker is, is the captain of Team Parker. He's, he's feeling pretty good about himself here on a Monday afternoon. Oh, we need to keep his ego in check, though, because I, I feel so. like this could be a whole different thing. I agree. And he, he's got his own podcast. I mean, Ian yeah. Parker has that capability. Oh, you don't need to stop talking, Kenny. The compliments just keep coming. I'm not going to stop you if you, you know, if you're feeling good about it. You know, I want, I don't want to fix it if it's not broken. But it's glad to be, I'm glad to be back, Kenny. It's very hard to fill in for you, of course. Uh, but I had a great time doing it. So any time you feel like sleeping in, uh, just tap me. I'll be ready to go. I'm well, just glad. I'm just glad ahead. I'm still in the lead. I'm still. I, I, I'm glad I'm still in the lead here, Ian. I'd All right, be in we trouble. got plenty of time. We got plenty of time. All right. Yeah. Yeah, it is still early, although the shows are ripping off the calendar, right? A couple of dark weeks here, and all of a sudden, it's like, man, we got three shows left to go, and it's a tight race. That's the way we like it. So Ian's been, been a great supporter of mine over the years and certainly has become a good friend and and helping us anchor this podcast. He was with me when we launched the pilot for this MMA charity challenge over the weekend. Ian, I don't know about you. I saw none of the main event at Hijink Sports Grill. I had entirely too much tequila. I did have to go back and watch the fight today, and got to be honest with you, at least as far as the main event's concerned, was not going so and Jan Bohovic. Uh, not great, kid. Not great. What'd you think? Yeah, you know what? It was a. Um, it didn't really heat up to the last couple of rounds. I guess that's even exaggerating. I tried to wave at you a couple times, but everyone was there to see John Attic, not me. So I had a chance to kind of fold my arms by myself and sweat out that Jan Bohovic, not just made event challenge, but the last leg of like 16 different parlays that I had. Um, you know what? I give credit to Jacques Ray. I don't know. I mean, I know, John, you didn't really watch until the second time around, but he took a lot of shots that Jan knocked out Luke with. He landed a couple of clean ones. He did drop them. Earlier on, it seemed like a lot of Jacques Ray pressing against the cage. And, you know, we, we talked about this. If he couldn't get the fight to the ground, this could be very challenging. I was very surprised, however, that his chin held up for the most part in this division. As you've seen a few other guys who've gone up, that has not been the case. And he took some heavy shots. So, you know... All that really showed to me is I don't think Jan Blahovich is ready for a title shot uh, after that performance. You know, you can maybe get him against Anthony Smith or have him fight Corey Anderson at this point to kind of build that division up a little bit. Uh, I think Jacare does not have to retire. He competed. He lost by a split. You know, those first three rounds was really – it could have went either way. So I'm happy Jan right. won, so I won my bets. But for Jacare, you know what? He didn't take a ton of damage. He could fight another couple and see where he is. It's a tough, now it's become a very tough division. These guys are big, they're fast, they're athletic, and if this is going to be a striking battle every time for Jacare, um, I don't see it going very well. Yeah, no, I think that's a, uh, that's a fair assessment. Uh, we were talking about Charles Oliveira. We'll get your thoughts on him against Jared Gordon. You know, I do think, Ian, and we both know Jared Gordon pretty well, you know, I feel like he put himself in position, right? I feel like he was presenting the best version of Jared Gordon, even though the fight only lasted 86 seconds. I know that's a hugely disappointing conclusion to, to this fight for him, but, but what do you have for us on Charles Oliveira, who just continues to get it done here in this career resurgence, I guess, if you want to call it that? <clears throat> you know what? Uh, back to your point about Jared Gordon. He put himself in a really, you know, he wanted to be the underdog. He wanted his shot. It's hard to really tell in that short period of time where the evolution in his game really is at this point and where the improvements were. He got, he got caught tw not once but twice. Uh, for Charles Oliveira, he's doing, you know, the competition, I, you know, I, I keep saying this whenever we, the last few fights with uh, Dubronx, he needs to fight 
top seven guys at this point. I think it's kind of showing the difference in where he is. I know it's not the division he may not want to participate in, but, I mean, look what happens when you get a healthy Oliveira without that crazy weight cut. And to Kenny's point, I heard it when I got put onto the show before, you're right, Kenny, the inside striking game, that's where he wanted that right cross in the clinch, and then he followed up with a beautiful, well-timed uppercut. Charles Oliveira being able to fine-tune his skills and be an overall well-rounded mixed martial artist is very scary. It doesn't matter what division he's in, you know? And that's what we've been waiting for, and I mentioned this before with him, you know, as his, his prospectus was supposed to be, where his ceiling was. Once that striking ever caught up to at least 25% of where his jiu-jitsu was, it's a scary thing. I'm looking forward to seeing who he gets next. I really hope it's a top-10 guy at least. You know, at 55, there are some names out there that have been thrown around. I'd like to see it happen. And then we'll really find out if he belongs at 55. But the frame looks like it could take it. Kevin, what do you think about Jacare Souza? long-term future here at 205 pounds? Obviously, if he was going to try to to make a run, being on the wrong side of the split decision certainly doesn't help matters. Any big-picture thoughts on uh, Jacare? You know, I, I think for Jacare, I think he's trying something new in a division that, a division that perhaps isn't as stacked at, at middleweight. Um, I just don't see anything long-term for him at 205 pounds, though. I mean, uh, Bojovic is certainly a, a large 205-pounder, but he's not the biggest. I mean, imagine him against a Dominic Reyes or, you know, those yeah. guys, John Jones. It's just those guys are very big, and I just don't think that it's the right for division, right division for him long term. I, I think he should go back to 185 pounds. Um, this one was a tough one for me, man. I, I, he he looked definitely looked smaller, did not look as strong. Uh, even the shots he was landing while Jan was respecting those shots, there was nothing really that that said that he was going to knock out someone like like Jan. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think it was kind of um, a little bit of a of a trial for him. Um, I, I don't think it went so well. Yeah. Co-main event, also in the light heavyweight division, Shogun Hua and Paul Craig. It is a split draw. So, Ian, I believe with a split draw, because they offer up the draw, if you bet on one side of this or the other, you don't get your money back. Do I have that right? Uh, no, actually. So, in, in, in other sports, when you do a teaser, like in football, if you tie, you lose. But when it comes to MMA or any sport, when you parlay, and that's what I did with this type of fight. Because if you don't take Paul Craig, you're not going to bet Shogun at minus, I think he was 380 straight up, just in case, well, like we saw in the first round, Paul Craig was actually landing on Shogun. So in this situation, I'll give you an example. I had him in a parlay with um, with four or five other fighters, and what happens is it's, it's essentially a push on that fight. So you, what you were going to win, you you don't lose the parlay. Your odds just get less, and you win less money. So believe right. it or not, well, I know about the parlay situation. But in soccer, right, you get hosed, right? They give you an opportunity where you can take the draw or the tie out of the equation. But generally speaking, when you're betting a side in soccer, uh, because the draw is offered right there as part of the bet, uh, you don't get your money back. So that's good to hear that uh, that those bets would be would be repaid. I got a few questions on that, you know. Yeah, no, you know, you're correct, because like something in soccer, what they do is they'll offer wagers, and by the way, I let the world know, I'm not that big of a degenerate, I do not bet soccer unless it's the World Cup, <laughs> uh, that's because I'm bored at 3 o'clock in the morning, but the reality is here is that with these type of bets, you don't like uh, soccer, they, yeah, right, soccer pretty much uh, let you bet, uh, it's the first, uh, the first and second half, it's the first 90 minutes in the game, and then you could actually bet the extra time and then into the shootout separately, hockey is the only one with the overtime that is part of the, the whole game. I was so 
I was so close to picking that split draw, dude. I was so close yeah. to going for that. But yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. Up. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because again, when you're doing that MMA charity challenge, it makes you think about the draw because you see it there right in front of you. Right. Whereas normally, like, oh, yeah, when I that's bet an fight, option. Well, exactly. Right. Yeah. And of course, in a three round fight, we don't see it all the time. But people like betting that draw in those five round main events. All right. So, unless Ian or, or Flo, you got anything more for me on Sao Paulo, you know, congrats to James Krause and, and Francisco Trinaldo and Randy Brown with a big submission against Warley Alves. But, you know, UFC 245 is the next pay per view event. And I don't want to shortchange it with three title fights. And inevitably, the nature of our show is such that I think we will if we don't at least start to talk about it. So, First title fight, Amanda Nunes sitting as a minus 310 favorite, Ken Flo, right now. Jermaine Durandamy is plus 240. So Jermaine Durandamy at one point at open could be had for plus 475. So certainly I think you're seeing some people have have committed to GDR. I know her last fight was a short one, Ken Flo, that main event in Sacramento, but this is an elite lifelong striker and this is i think as excited as i've been about an amanda nunez opponent and her potential to make it a real competitive fight than i've been in some time uh does that sound like promotional hyperbole for you or do you see anything resembling a live underdog in jermaine durandamy um listen I, I i don't hate her as an underdog at all uh especially if this fight stays on the feet man i tell you what jermaine durandamy could pose a lot of problems uh, for someone like Amanda Nunes. I, I think, you know, lengthwise, uh, she has the experience. I mean, she was, what, undefeated as a, as a Muay Thai kickboxer. So she does have a lot of experience, uh, both in the clinch, being able to strike from the outside, uh, dealing with uh, pressure fighters like Amanda Nunes. I don't know if she's dealt with anyone who quite has the physical tools or the power and speed like an Amanda Nunes, but... For Nunez, she has to make sure that she stays very technical and patient uh, against Jermaine Durandamy. She, if, if she, you know, there's times where she gets a little excited, she overextends, she finds herself off balance sometimes. That's when she can get caught uh, with some kind of a counter or a big knee for, from Jermaine, Jermaine Durandamy, who has a lot of experience in the striking department. So uh, um, I definitely think there's, uh, you know, a possibility that she could surprise a lot of people out there. Probably not a bet I'm going to take, but uh, Jermaine Durand to me uh, definitely has a lot of skills on the feet and could pose some problems. Ian, obviously I'm not betting on MMA, but when I'm betting on pro sports, I am very much an underdog player. And I don't know if I would follow that same processing if I was betting MMA regularly like you are. Um, but like for Amanda Nunes, candidly, like most of our listeners, Ian, I would think wouldn't be betting 3100 to win a thousand on Amanda Nunes like you might be able to do like that's beyond my means so how would you attack this fight from a betting perspective here a few weeks up huh you know what when when you're going to take the shot like you just said uh, laying out 3100 win a thousand you have to be super sure that there's a disparity somewhere in this fight that there's such an advantage and the odds makers have to have it wrong you know like I said with Charles Oliveira you know, as much as I love Jared Gordon as a person, I think he is a tremendous fighter. I just thought it was a terrible matchup for him across the board. I think people yeah. were taking, you know, shots at him because that they, everyone loves that underdog. But you got to understand something. you got to love the underdog when it makes sense. When Husia Forminga was fighting Figuera, that was a good underdog to play. Yes, it wasn't plus 400. It was plus 185. But you got to really pick and choose and understand the sport. This isn't football where guys have to rely on the other 10 guys on their team with, their, with, the, with a total of 11 guys. Sorry. You know, it's... It's a whole different ballgame. This isn't the any given Sunday type of situation. So in this type of fight, 
to be honest with you, you have two ways of looking at it. Either you could throw Amanda Nunes in a parlay if you're so sure and line her up with some big favorites, and if she's the last leg, throw money on Jermaine Durand to me to hedge your bet. Uh, for me, though, i got to be honest, this is one of those times where I do like the underdog. I do like GDR in this fight. Um, I don't know if Amanda Nunez really remembers the whole ground game anymore. She hasn't even been looking once to take people to the ground, where in this fight, that would be the true path to victory with very little risk. I think if this fight stays standing, I think GDR has a very good chance. I think her striking is actually better. Um, you know, I know Kenny mentioned something about the speed and the athleticism and the physicality of Nunez, but you got to think out of all those Muay Thai fights, she had to have fought someone with the speed, with the physicality factor. So with, with this fight more than likely staying on the feet, I have no problem taking a shot with GDR at those odds. At the plus 400 and change number you talked about, that's in, not a bad play at all. I, I actually, this is one of my favorite underdogs in a while, and I love Amanda Nunez. I love what she represents in the sport, what she's done. But there's always someone waiting to take that belt, and Styles make fights, and I think if this fight does stay on the feet, Jermaine Durandamy is very dangerous. Now, I saw that opening plus 475. I don't know where that was being offered and how many people were able to hit that plus 475, but uh, certainly looks juicier than plus 240 does now. Ian, I want to lead with you on the featherweight championship fight. So Max Holloway after the Dustin Poirier war in April, uh, back down to 145 pounds. And if social media is any indication, he appears to be a man on a mission here. Uh, a lot of people wondered how long his future would be at featherweight. Ken, Kenny, you know, I had a lot of questions about that. And uh, he certainly answered those and then some, certainly in the Ortega fight. He gets Alexander Volkanovsky here. He's minus 170. Volko plus 140 uh, as he comes east to Vegas. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's east. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, Ian? Max Holloway, Alexander Volkanovsky. The only time that I've bet against Max Holloway in the last, I think, five years was I took Dustin Poirier recently just because of the run Poirier was on, the power, you know, at 55. However, I just don't really see Volkanovski doing what he's done to some of these other fighters. That fight against Chad Mendez, people need to remember, he was not winning that fight until Chad out of nowhere gassed out and it only took a few punches. Kind of a reminder of when he fought Conor McGregor. He was dominating in the wrestling, got tired, and Conor landed that shot. Um... Max Holloway is way better than Chad Mendez. You know, in this fight, he's going to have a huge reach. I mean, Max Holloway probably knows how to use that as well as anybody. The cardio will never stop. So Volkanovski is not going to have a, a fighter here who's just going to give up or gas out and him then go in for the kill. You know, Max Holloway's done the five-round dance at, and now in two different divisions. He's fought way better competition. I think Volkanovski is very much deserving of this title shot. Um, I think he was more deserving than Frankie. You know, and nothing against Frankie. Love Frankie, but... He deserves it. However, I don't know. Max is very hard to take down, too. If Volkanovski can grind out five rounds on top of Max Holloway, fine. I don't see that happening. I think Max Holloway is going to use that jab. He's going to keep the fight standing. And I'm hoping that people keep betting on Volkanovski because if those odds keep going and going, I will load it up on Holloway just the same way that people thought Ortega was going to win as well. Ken Flo, I don't know that we talk enough about coaching in mixed martial arts. Like when I'm betting on an NFL football game, I think, all right, quarterback, head coach, kicker, right? I, I, I think Eugene Behrman and the folks at City Kickboxing, I think they, they understand how good Max Holloway is, and hopefully that's the case. Uh, what do you think these guys at City Kickboxing and Volko are going to have for Holloway here in a few weeks? Well, the other thing is, you know, we forget, but Australia is very much a Muay Thai hotbed. They have a lot of strikers over there that 
they can call on uh, for excellent sparring. Uh, of course, you know he has a great relationship with Israel Adesanya. Uh, Adesanya has a great mind for the sport, great mind for um, the, the the striking game. So I'm sure uh, he understands exactly what he needs to do on the feet against someone like Max Holloway. It is quite another thing, though, to go out there and do that. Um, I have a hard time believing that Dustin Poirier at 155 pounds. Uh, um, he couldn't stop Max Holloway. I don't think Alexander Vol- Volkanovsky is going to be able to do it. And I think that's the only way you beat someone like a Max Holloway. You're not going to be able to outpoint him, in my opinion. It, I don't see it in Volkanovsky's game anyway. Um, I, I think you got to stop someone like uh, Max Holloway. You're either going to have to have an insane amount of power or try to put him on his back to really um, cause significant damage to get a fight stopped. And I just I just don't see it happening. And talk about, you know, taking the right fights at the right time. Max Holloway fighting a guy like a Frankie Edgar was excellent preparation, uh, in my opinion, for him to, to take on a guy like a Volkanovsky. And I think Volkanovsky obviously is fresher in his career at this point than, say, Frankie Edgar is. Uh, but Frankie Edgar, you know, is a pretty smart fighter and has seen it all out there and just did not have an answer for what Max Holloway had out there. Holloway moves re- really well. He's going to have a significant height and reach advantage against Volkanovski. Um, and I just see him tagging from the outside uh, and just giving Volkanovski fits uh, round after round. Forgot there for a second that, that Max fought Frankie Edgar this summer there in Canada. All right, main event. Ian Parker, Kamara Usman, minus 175, Colby Covington, plus 145. Another fight that, at least according to the betting line, has tightened up a little bit. This fight, just I just can't wait, man. I mean, I get anxious just talking about this thing. I, I've just wanted to see this so long. And to see Colby Covington in a true grudge match against one of these guys that really wants to, you know, rip out his esophagus. I mean, Ian, what do you think about this fight and uh, which way you lean in here about a month out? Well, I'm happy that Colby Covington is now number one on Usman's shit list. Uh, Campbell, I don't know if you ever heard this story, but when I was working at the BB&T Center, I hooked Rashad Evans up with tickets to Jay-Z, and he brought a guy, another fighter with him. And I went, yo, what up, Marcus Brimage? I'm a big fan. And it was fucking tomorrow Usman. That was huh. so embarrassing. Huh. Um, He's uh, a little bigger <laughs> than Marcus Br- Brimage. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It was oh, the that's funny, dude. Off. I was like, Rashad Evans, I think it was a champion. I was like, oh, shit, it's Rashad Evans. I got to get the tickets. And I'm like, oh, oh, dude, you're British. <laughs> no, no doubt. Like, all the open fighter show. I was, bro, what an amateur fucking Bush League move on my that's part. Funny. But anyway, um, <laughs> so here, this fight is really, um, you know what? For me, it comes down to who impressed me more in their last two fights. And it's so hard because when you see someone like Kamara Usman, right, what he did to Tyron Woodley, I think people forget Woodley was so dominating and when he was the champ and no one really thought they were going to figure out that piece of the puzzle. No one was going to wrestle him. The power was there. And then Usman goes in and he just dominates that fight, right? And then we get Colby Covington coming in against a Robbie Lawler, which, you know, Kenny and I both thought for Robbie there were methods to the victory. And then he comes and puts on this pace of what he set the record for the most strikes or thrown in, the, in UFC history. I mean, the yeah. pace that Colby put on was just so impressive i mean to kenny's point and i and i remember this this keeps going back in my head the one thing i know that kenny was bugged out by and i kind of was bothered by too is that colby had robbie lawler in that rare naked choke against the cage and it was pretty close and he couldn't figure out how to get it in and and, and in that situation imagine if he would have finished robbie lawler you know in a situation like that if you don't take advantage against someone like usman he's going to turn it around on you because usman's another guy with the pace um 
I'm having a hard time picking this fight right now. Kobe really impressed me against Robbie Lawler. If you were to ask me today, however, without betting lines, um, I would go with Usman, the champ. I, I don't think Kobe is going to be able to press the pace. I don't think cardio is going to be an issue for Kamar Usman. I think he's the better boxer. I think he has more power. I don't think he's going to be concerned at all about Kobe knocking him out, like even the slightest bit. Um, and I, I don't think he's going to get taken down either. Robbie got taken out at will. I don't think he will. I think he's going to put Kobe against the cage and grind this out. And I don't think it's going to be that exciting of a fight, to be honest with you, but the grudge match is. So at the moment, I'm on, I'm on Team Usman. When there's real heat and tension in a UFC championship setting, I just, as a sports fan, I can't think of anything better. Kenny, you think we're destined for 25 minutes and, uh, or not? I mean, what do, what do you think we're going to see here? It's certainly possible. Uh, you know, I don't share that same kind of confidence in Kamaru Usman uh, that uh, Ian Parker does. I, I think that Usman's a tremendous fighter, but I have a hard time believing that that was the best Tyron Woodley out there on fight night. I, I, I just, he, he didn't look right mentally. He didn't look right physically to me. Um, you know, coming off that surgery, uh, it just, that was not what Tyron Woodley truly offers in, in a championship fight. Not to take away from Usman's uh, performance, uh, and it was phenomenal. I just sure. think he fought him at the right time and was able to take advantage of that. That's Tyron Woodley's fault. That Those are the kind of things that we do as fighters. With You know, timing doesn't you know, always uh, come out right as coming off of surgery. And, you know, he's been dealing with a lot. But I just don't think that was the best Tyron Woodley out there. Yeah. Um, and if you asked me... Before that fight, uh, before Colby's fight against Robbie Lawler, who I think would win, I right. would say Kamaru Usman very confidently. Now I'm leaning towards Colby coming. Crazy I, I just man! Think, you know, I, I just think that the kind of pace that he put on Robbie Lawler and me expecting him to eventually get tired, and that just never took place. The improvement in his striking was significant enough for me to say that he has better striker th striking than Kamaru Usman. The way that he was putting together the combinations, the way that um, he looked way more technical. Um, I, again, I, I haven't seen a performance like that as far as conditioning-wise in a very long time. Habib will just straight out wrestle you and put on a pace on the ground. Yeah. But I haven't seen a pace like that on the feet and on the ground with Crazy. the wrestling. I, I was super impressed with Colby Covington's performance. Hate him or love him, that guy has improved as a martial artist. And um, I, I just think... A lot of times, a lot like uh, when we saw, you know, Jan Bohovic and uh, Jacare Souza this week with two guys that come with that jujitsu background, they tend to cancel each other out. It ha happens with wrestlers as well. We've seen it time and time again. Um, if it stays on the feet, I give the edge to Colby Covington, um, and I think we'll see a lot of striking in the clinch. But I don't think we'll see a lot of takedowns from either guys. Yeah, either guy. it, it was crazy walking out what of that arena in the middle of, of the world day. world will we be living in if Colby Covington wins? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Walking out of that arena, though, in Newark, New Jersey, in the afternoon that day after Colby Covington had did that, you felt like you saw this historically great offensive performance, and it was nice to sort of be validated in that in that opinion and being guys like you and DC take to Twitter and just be like, dude, I haven't seen output like that. It's crazy, right? Like, a lot of people were thinking, like, dude, he's got to be dirty. No, he just yeah. has a third lung, and he's really fucking tough. Seriously. You know? I mean, unbelievable. Uh, all right couple things before we let Ian Parker fly and get back to bedtime. You know, one benefit of this nighttime podcast, I got to tell our listeners, my wife's putting three kids to bed right now, you know, so I could probably get <laughs> used to this. Um, 
in bare knuckle boxing. So Joey Beltron, UFC veteran, became the bare knuckle boxing heavyweight champion over the weekend. I congratulated him on Instagram, and I just want to share this personally because he wrote back, and it really touched me. And I don't do this to toot my own horn. If it sounds that way, I apologize. But but Joey wrote to me. I remember talking to you in Brazil back in 2013. Ken Flo was probably right there with me. He says he was so bummed that night that he lost to Fabio Maldonado and was sure to be cut. You were so kind to me and told me I had nothing to ha- hang my head down for. You told me to be proud of the fact that I fought 10 times in the UFC and that I was a true warrior and I was going to be fine. And then he wrote, shit, I guess you were right. So... Props to Joey Beltran, who now has a gold belt at home. And it's incredible to see some of these really good dudes succeeding in this realm. All of that being said, Flo, uh, man, does it look damaging aesthetically. And it's hard to watch for me without any sort of protection on those knuckles. I mean, what's your uh, what's your takeaway on bare knuckle boxing and guys like Jason Knight and Artem Labov and Joey Beltran really entering the fray? And, and not just that, but fighting, you know, a couple times in a span of five or six months. You know, it's funny. Uh, listen, uh, combat sports is combat sports. They're not easy on your body. They're not easy on your brain. I think that for us seeing the bare knuckle thing, it, it, it can be hard to watch. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, as far as damage and what happens, it's all not great for you. But, um, you know, the cuts, the the, the damage right. is that you're is taking the out there. more than the, I think the, so. the difference in the concussive, right? Because like a UFC glove doesn't feel good on your chin, I right? Right, but and, and, and in some cases you think, oh well, it protects your hands, so you could throw a little bit heavier. I don't know, you know, I, I really I'm not a scientist. I haven't evaluated the effects of you know either or what's worse. But um, for me, watching a, a bare knuckle fight with guys who had careers in mixed martial arts, it is definitely hard for me to watch. It, I I just don't like seeing guys that are perhaps past their prime take that kind of damage and um i don't know man it it is definitely harder to watch it's not as technical as a mixed martial arts fight uh can be right with with just you know the ability to take someone down and and all those things but um you know both are really tough on the body if we're being honest i i just think that seeing a lot of these guys take the damage on the feet with with a bare knuckle um, I don't know. It, it seems to have a, a it, it seems to have more of an impact when I'm watching. I just yeah. I cringe a little bit more uh, when I, I watch it. Ian Jason Knight, Mississippi mean. God love the guy. I consider him a friend. He's got mouths to feed. But you just wonder how many wars like this he can take part in. W- what are your thoughts on this bare knuckle fat? I mean, Ian, you got some you got some experience. Why don't you enter the bare knuckle boxing fray? Maybe me and <laughs> maybe me and you should box. I know I'd be a prohibitive underdog. That'd be the way I'd like it. I can never punch you in the face and feel good about it. Oh, um, come on. But, come but, I will, on. but I will tell you, though, I will tell you, <laughs> you the, 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 the character that journalist the Schmo put out there to grapple against Ariel Hawani, and I fucking volunteered because Hawani probably never even made a layup on his play school basketball hoop in his life. So I told the Schmo, I will fucking step in for the nose, and I'll, we'll do an MMA fight, charity, grappling. So if you want to get that going viral, Parker versus Schmo. That's good. I can punch him in the face. I cannot punch anyone on this show in the face. Um, at least happily. No way. But in regards to Jason Knight, there was a video that popped up like three days that went viral before his fight of him fighting two guys at a bar in a bathroom stall and him Ooh. winning. Um, Jason Knight right, I saw that. on Twitter. It went viral. Absolutely crazy. Um, you know, so pretty much, you know, in regards to this, I think to Kenny's point, it is really tough to obviously 
Um, watch sometimes, you know, the way these guys are just the beating. I mean, but here's the problem, though. Number one, I hope it's not being associated with MMA uh, because it took a long time for people to really accept, M- accept MMA as a mainstream sport like football, hockey, yeah. et cetera. And bare-knuckle boxing is not that. Um, the problem is the reason why these guys are doing it, and Kenny, I agree with you, it's hard watching these guys past their prime or not making MMA. They're getting paid a lot more than what they would be if they were still in the UFC. You know, for example, yeah. you know, or, or another organization, yeah. Signed, yeah, Hector, yeah, Hector Lombard signed, and he's getting paid from what I've heard, remember, a lot of money to do this. And yeah. there's a guy who was knocked out a bunch of times in his UFC career, so it's it's kind of um, you know kind of crazy. You know, it's hard for me to watch as well. But like you said, John, these guys got mouths to feed, and if this is all they know, and they're getting paid a lot to do it. Who's going to stop them? I mean, I'll still watch it. It's hard, like with Bigfoot Silva. You know, that was really tough to watch, but um, yeah. they're going to keep doing it, I guess, until someone, until something happens. I don't know. It's yeah. tough, though. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, you know, as far as, you know, the paydays, are, are they getting that amount of money because they have yes. a big bankroll, or or is it, or a lot of people buy these pay-per-views so they have that money to do that? Do you know, a combination, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a combination of both. Like back in the day when Elite XC formed and a few of these other outside organizations, think about what they did. They were pay- overpaying guys to come over so they could do this. And what happens is that either it's a sink or swim mentality. You pay to get the best talent you can. You overpay for it so they don't go anywhere else, you know, and you hope that that, that works. If it doesn't, you fold. If it does, you got something here. I don't know how many people are truly paying for the pay-per-views. But I can tell you, someone like a Hector Lombard is making easily, probably, I mean, I, I do know what he's making, so I don't want to really give it away too much, or at least a good estimate, but he's making UFC main card money to be in the bare-knuckle boxing fighting championship, whatever it's called. So these guys are getting paid. Like Jason Knight and Artem both definitely got paid way more than they were getting paid ever in the UFC. So it's, it's like, good for them, they're getting that money, but shame on those guys for like, let it, I mean, look what they're doing to each other. You know, you yeah. would never know who won by looking at each other the next day. It's yeah. crazy. Right. All right, my man. Good stuff. Thanks again for all the support last week. We will talk to you next Monday. No predictions next Monday. So we'll see what's, uh, what's cooking and we'll talk to you in less than seven days, my man. Appreciate the time as always. You got it guys. Have a good one. All right, Ian Parker with us every week here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. Today's Ray Longo Minute is brought to you by OddsShark.com. OddsShark, your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Head over to OddsShark.com and start playing like a shark today. OddsShark.com, don't forget that second S. All right, Ray Longo is going to join us here in a minute. Anthony Rumble Johnson says he's going to be back in June or July as a heavyweight. Ken Floats says he thinks speed will be a big advantage. Your expectations for Rumble at heavyweight, kid. I mean, you don't want to draw Curtis Blades out of the shoot necessarily, but right. uh, Rumble's back. I'm all in. Hey, listen, I think that he has an ability. You know, Again, I don't know what his training regimen is looking like these days. He was massive at one point. Someone told me he was like 280, 300 pounds, something like that. Um, you know, he's going to have to cut down to 265 pounds potentially. So anyways, I, I hope he's training and, and getting back in shape. Um, I do think that probably fighting at, in the heavyweight division is the right division for him. Yeah. Um, it, it, again, it's not the the strongest division in the UFC and I think he could really make for some interesting matches and, and potentially win a belt 
to the UFC. I, I, I truly believe that. Anthony Rumble Johnson. All right, busy day at Longo Wyman MMA. Let's get to the great Ray Longo. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Ray Longo, sorry to keep you waiting. I'm checking the weather in New York City. I know the heat went out, Ken Flo, at the gym in Garden City today. <laughs> I mean, if you follow Longo Wideman MMA on social media, you know that it's 39 degrees there and they got no heat. Didn't stop Ray from training, incidentally, but uh, gym is closed to the locals, I guess, today. Ray, you got to pay did, the I, bills, man. Uh, what did I, 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 say, what what, did I say? What did I say? What's worse is we had a guy come in and the carbon monoxide was leaking. And I'm in there working out oh, like a complete idiot. I, my head hurts. I don't know what the hell I was oh, doing. Oh, man. But, uh, we, we're getting everything squared away. So thank God for that. But, yeah, no, I'm actually home. We had to close the gym. How about that? So uh, we yeah. missed you last week. Uh, scheduled bye week for us. I took my kids to Disney World, which uh, felt like I taped like nine podcasts in one day. Uh <laughs> But uh, uh, it's good to hear yeah, you, man. John, I mean, do you, I've been there do you... about 20 times with my kids growing up. It is, uh, I, I, I hear you completely. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's the most magical place in the world. Right? It's really <laughs> what it is, you know. Uh, but, like, do you do you miss doing the show, you know? I mean, I know you miss those UFC unfiltered paychecks when they don't call your number. But, like, our little engine that could, like, do you miss doing the show last month? Oh, Monday? I 100% miss it. I mean, I, I was okay, wondering good. what the hell was going on. I set my whole day around that. Are you kidding? And then when I, and I felt awful this morning, I was like, I thought you were doing that, uh, what did you start, some MMA draft thing? Or, uh, you, you had something on Instagram. Win a free ticket to something? What, what are you doing? Right. Yeah, it's a little charity challenge, but uh, oh, we don't thought, need to spend so Ray Longo minute promoting that. I thought you were, you were leaving me and Kenny out to hang, him, uh, hang ah. us out to dry for your uh, fantasy football camp. We, we weren't invited. That's it. That's it. You know? No, I thought, so, uh, I, don't know. I thought something was going on, but I was going to call you, but uh, you know, things are busy down at Lore MMA. A lot of things happen. That's good. I know you got a lot of things happening, and we will get to those, but I should publicly apologize because there are a lot of different people I have to communicate with when we're taking the show off the air for a week, or and and I yeah. I, I forgot and to reach out I'm, to you, and, and I feel I'm not awful. One of them, but thank thank you for that. <laughs> ah, no, I'm usually yeah, well. I think Ray, you can attest. 225 shows. I'm usually pretty good about communicating, but I I fucking <laughs> yeah. forgot last week. You know. <laughs> so uh, okay. I just like I just sat in the. I just sat in, my, in the gym with my thumb up my ass for, for a half hour. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> you could always just send a text message like, are we live today? And then I would have felt awful in that moment. But uh, I'm just in it right now. But like, do I seem in the weeds? I can't get a fucking word out today. I got three children like five feet away from me. Like if Ken Flo has more than two kids, like he has, he's not listening to me on the podcast. <laughs> God, I'm just so in it right now. Hey Ray, yeah. Did uh, did you happen to since we didn't talk to you see the fight between Zabit Magomed Sharipov and Calvin Cater uh, that Moscow show a couple weeks ago? Yes, I did, hundred percent. So, what are your thoughts on uh, on Zabit? I mean, certainly we spent a lot of time on the three rounds versus five, and maybe how the complexion might change. Um, but what what is your take as a as a striking guy on this sensational Zabit Magomed Sharipov? Well, I'll tell you, they're, they're, look, they're both a little different, but they're both very good at what they do. But, you know, Zabit, I, I had in the gym a couple of times. So 
super talented guy, very talented guy. Um, he does a lot of things really, really good at a high level. But this third round thing looks like it's, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how he's going to make five rounds. He's, he's probably about six one, So I'm assuming he's struggling at 45 because this isn't like the first time he, you know, sinks in the third round a little bit. And, I mean, yeah. Cato was chasing him around the ring. And Calvin, you know, he, he definitely can hit. Uh, his boxing is on point, and I think it took him a while. You know, look, he flew to Russia to fight. I'm saying if that fight's in Boston, I'm not even sure what happens in that fight. And when he has right. the crowd behind him, and right. and who knows. But for, for a five-round fight, after looking at that, I mean, look, at the very least, uh, uh, Calvin, that's his name, right? I mean, I like that. I yeah. talk to the guy, too. But, yeah. I mean, at the, at the very least, he knows that he belongs right in that, that championship talk. That's the first thing. So, yep. um, I mean, it seems like people are figuring the beat out a little bit, you know, because he's not really getting anybody out of there. Uh, but I don't know. I thought that was a good fight in the third round. Look, Katar won that third round more decisive than the first two rounds. Anybody yes. won. You know what I mean? They were close, but you had to give yep. them a beat, but... Yeah. It was a close fight, man. He was actually chasing them. And then Zabit was having a hard time even doing the interview afterwards. So, I don't, like, yeah. again, I don't know if it's 45. He said he had staph infection, but it's not like it's the first time that he's had problems in the third round. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what he's The five rounds is the – he's 100% championship material, but five rounds is going to be – looks like a game changer. Yeah, and Ray, it wasn't, you know, it was a decent pace, but it wasn't a crazy pace of a fight Without by any means, doubt. right? Exactly. So I think you have a and point Kenny, there. you got to yeah. say, if there was a fourth and fifth round, based on yeah. what we saw, there was no question that Qatar was going to win that fight. Yeah, it was that there was a momentum shift, no doubt about it, in that third round. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Hey, hey Ray, do you, train, do you train anyone in the, uh, in the bare-knuckle boxing realm? No, no, I just helped out Paulie Malinaji that time. He was coming right. to the gym, and, uh, you know, we did a bunch of training sessions together. But, no, I don't, you know, besides that, I didn't get hung up with that at all. You know, Kemflo told us earlier he's not a scientist, and I'm not asking you, Ray, to quantify <laughs> the damage of, you know, flesh on flesh versus a little four-ounce glove in there. But, uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on, on bare-knuckle boxing? And uh, if somebody came to you and said, hey, this is what I want to do, would you would you be all in? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I'm not uh, – look, I'm not watching it. You know, I watched it, you know, for uh, because of Paulie that time. But, uh Look, I don't know. I mean, they're doing. Uh, you can no, answer no, no, that no, next no, week. I'm not, I mean, if somebody just came and week. said, "This is all I want to do," I'm not. Yeah. I'm probably not doing it. But yeah, I like for Paulie was like kind of like a novelty thing, and uh, he really ended up being a really, really great guy. It was just great getting to know him because I, you know, like I've met him a couple of times at the boxing gyms over the years. But he really turned out to be a good guy, so I'm glad, you know. We got to make that that connection, but uh, nah, that that wouldn't be something I would be looking to do. For a novelty thing, would you train me for a bare knuckle boxing match again against Ian <laughs> oh, Parker, who oh, used to train? Uh, no okay. question about it. Right. <laughs> no oh, question about it. 
what so, are we doing with it? Who, who are you fighting? I'll get back to you. It just sort of was just sort of came to the surface today. I'll get back to you. Man, so, I don't want right. to punch you're him in the face right today, now, man. but I think like we're Kenny, trending Kenny, in the direction where today. He's on <laughs> he is. Yeah. He is. And, and expired up. He's got three kids. He's seen it all. He's been to he, he's been to hell and back. The, yeah. yeah, the late start times doing me no favors. Today. That's <laughs> for damn sure. So, uh, Ray, I hate to sort of end on, well, before, you know, before we do that, in terms of your local guys, I mean, obviously I'm following your every move on social media. Saw you with Matt, the steamroll of Frivola there recently, but tell us what you do oh, have Billy, Billy cooking Q locally. I mean, shout it out. What a great kid is. He's fighting in, uh, on the, the Washington DC card. Uh, so he had a, he had What's a great his name again? With Billy Quarantello. Oh Yeah. He won the contender Billy, Billy you know, Q, won, Billy Quarantello, right? Yeah. Series. Yeah, yeah. What a what a sweetheart that kid is. So he had a good one last night, and uh, so the other kid, uh, he's a big fifty-five of the kid that was next to him. So we had a good night last night. Nice. All right, so I'm going to end on sort of a somber note as we sort of all hope and pray for the best for Walt Harris's stepdaughter, Anaya Blanchard, Ray, but as the three of us sit here as fathers of daughters, and your daughters are obviously closer in age to Anaya than Ken Flo's and mine are, um, but many of our listeners know the story by now. UFC heavyweight contender Walt Harris, his 19-year-old stepdaughter, Anaya Blanchard, last seen October 23rd, a suspect arrested in her disappearance case almost two weeks ago at this point. Now, Walt and his wife were on with Dr. Phil earlier this week. They believe this may have been premeditated. They say there's actually something they can't discuss right now, a potential lead that might involve someone that Anaya knows. In the meantime, her biological father and stepmother went on TV locally in Alabama. They believe she was a victim of a random carjacking, so... It's just sad that there's even dissension there, but this whole thing, Ray, is just so awful and unimaginable, uh, and for situations that you can encounter as a parent, uh, it just doesn't get any worse than this, man. I mean, obviously, you've been seeing this, Ray. It's just uh, it's just weighing heavy on the MMA community as every 24 hours passes, you know? Uh, look, look, you know, we, we hear about this stuff, but... And I know you know Walt Harris. I mean, I, the little I know of him, what a, a genuinely beautiful guy this guy is. And I mean, if I stay on the phone, I'll start. I definitely will break up because I got two daughters. But uh, I could tell you this to keep it short the whole gym is wearing, uh, you know, the Anaya bracelets, the find Anaya bracelets. And uh, definitely Lauren and is, you know, uh, <clears throat> is definitely, you know, anything we could do. And, you know, me and Chris. Took a picture the other day. He didn't put it up yet, but we're going to post something. But uh, it's a horrible thing, and I, I just we can only wish for the best outcome. And again, knowing the guy makes it, you know, that much closer to your heart. And right. I mean, anything I could ever do for that guy would do in a heartbeat. But uh, yeah. what a, you know, like as a parent, it's just uh, unimaginable. Like you said, and again, I have two daughters, and it's just it's tough, man. That's a tough one. Really yeah. is. I so. saw him My five days before. Saw him and and his wife Angela five days before the disappearance at the way in in Boston uh, of all well, places. Well, that's it. Um, I sit next to him eating in Boston. The guy's always a complete gentleman yeah. and a, just a. I, I, just, I don't know. Like the little I know, my I can't say anything but just awesome things about that guy. He's always respectful. Always goes out of his way to say hello and uh it's it, it i just had this conversation with chris last week it just you know we just saw him in boston and it happened after that and again you know uh 
the UFC sent us some bracelets. We got everybody wearing them, and Good. Yeah. hopefully, uh, you know, we could channel that energy into a positive outcome. Yeah, those find and I bracelets all over the UFC headquarters, American Top Team. It's great that they're sending them all over there, and and those will continue to raise money for her search and rescue team. Um, all right, I'll get Ken Flo's thoughts on the other side, but Ray will let you go, oh, my man. So does that mean I'll see you in the nation's capital? I guess on December seventh. Yes. Uh, that'll be a no. <laughs> no, I'm not no, Billy oh, Q okay. just stopped by. Right. He trains in Florida. Oh. He's been friends with the steamroller right. forever. So these guys all used right. to come to the gym every so often. And, again, he's a good kid. So I'm, I'm really pulling for him a lot on December 7th. All right, buddy. Thanks for your time. Stay in our all lives, right, kid. We'll talk to you next Monday. All right, all right. Thanks, Good luck, man. Take it easy. And then, then dudes, uh, hit, a, hit up the peace pipe. It'll do you a little good. you got to calm yeah. down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, if you're looking for peace pipes, check out Ray Longo MMA on Instagram. Some juicy <laughs> photos from the 1960s. I tell you what, you know what's funny? Back then, you could have did life in jail for that. I think somebody wrote that's that. That's crazy. That's yeah. true, huh? Wow. Yeah. Man, man those, uh, where, where, what happened in those days? Damn. I'm telling. They're gone, thankfully. Oh. Fucking <laughs> gone. All right, Ray. <laughs> Get out of here, Ray. Get out of here. All right. Take it easy. I'll see you. The great Ray Longo every week, dating to episode one here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Ken Flo, this Walt Harris thing just hits hard, man. You know, um, we met him obviously very early on in his UFC career. And as a fighter, right, you've had to train and work through some very hard circumstances, obviously, in your professional career. I just feel like for him as a fighter, he's sitting on the cusp of his first UFC main event against Alistair Overeem. Going to be a big show in D.C. And now this happens and... You know, mixed martial arts and training just becomes so secondary. And I think I'm sure breaking a sweat and releasing the endorphins is obviously a great outlet for him as he tries to to deal with this. But it's like, God, I mean, how do you even snap off a jab when, like, you feel like, like you should be out looking for your daughter at every gas station in the state of Alabama? You know, when I heard this news, um, it's, it's heartbreaking. Uh, and then, you know, when you know someone like a Walt Harris who is – just the, the friendliest, nicest guy you can meet, um, a true martial artist. We've had him on the show a few times, and, you know, of course, you know, both of us have, have spoken to him personally. He's a friendly guy, and to hear this happen to his family is just heartbreaking, man. I, I don't even know what I would do. And then you talk about him during his, his professional career as a mixed martial artist having to deal with something like this and hold up his family during this time, I can't even imagine it. Um, I, I've dealt, obviously, with, with the death of my brother, which was something horrible. I didn't have to deal with it while I was fighting and having to focus on something like, like that. But, man, um, I, I don't know what I would do uh, if this happened to you know, um, someone in my family and having to deal with this, it's, I don't know. I, again, it's bringing up uh, emotions for of me course. as far as my brother and all those things. And I, I just, I feel so bad for, for them and their family. And, um, it's, it's something that I hope gets resolved very quickly. And, and I hope a positive outcome comes from this. I hope she's safe. I hope she's okay. And I hope they find her as soon as possible, man. This is, this is a real life nightmare, and and again, just like Ray Ray says, we we hear about it happening. You read it in the news, and you kind of flick through and go, "Oh, that's terrible," and you and you turn the page. But when it hits home to something like this, to someone that you know, you realize, "Oh man, this happens, and this could happen to anyone." Yeah. I already feel, you know, like my daughter at her age is vulnerable and things like that, man. And 
you know, I already have my head on a swivel and hearing this kind of news, man, it, it, it's unsettling. Uh, and man, I continue to train in martial arts and I'll, and I'll make sure that like, like you, you don't know what could happen, but I'm going to yeah. ensure that my daughter, you know, knows how to protect yourself the best. Right. I'm not saying that would be, you know, the cure all, but you do what you can to keep your kids as safe as possible, man. And man, it's just the whole story just is awful. I feel a pit in my stomach, uh, that I just don't like to feel. And, and, um, Again, I hope this gets resolved, man. Well, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts. And not to say that the, the world wasn't a dangerous place in the 1980s when we grew up in Metro yeah. West Massachusetts, right? But we would literally dump our bags, get on a bicycle, and yeah. be gone until the sun went down. And you want to raise your daughters and your children. I do have a son now with a certain fearlessness, right, that allows yes. them to go out into the world and experience adversity and things and falling off their bike or whatever it is. And, um, but I had a conversation with my wife as Walt Harris, you know, posted this afternoon on his Instagram page or in his story, Lord grant us peace and strength. This is a pain like no other. Hashtag find an eye three hours ago. You know, I said, you know, I do want my daughters to be fearless, but I also maybe kind of want them to be a little bit fearful and maybe hear some of this stuff even at eight years old. So they do recognize some of the dangers that it are happens. out there, you know, um, these things happen. Yes. Yeah. So, well. It's a uh, it's a crazy oh. world, and, and Walt Harris, we're behind you, man. Just know, uh, you know, we're 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 you know not living and breathing it, but we're thinking about you guys every day, and we're hoping for the best possible resolution. All right, we got to get out of here. TJ DeSantis burning it at all ends. Want to thank everyone by the way for subscribing. It is a new YouTube channel launched about six weeks ago, so it's not that UFC on Fox YouTube channel. It's a brand new Anakin Florian podcast YouTube channel. You can watch the video on the show worldwide. Audio is obviously there in the all, all the usual spots iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, everywhere else uh, thanks to all loyal listeners of course who continue to show up for the backbone of this entire program, thanks to Ray Longo and Ian Parker, TJ at the controls, uh, we'll be right back with you next Monday and we'll see what the future holds from there until then, Ken Flum, John, and thank you all until next week, don't text and drive yo Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.